the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 429 for August 24th, 2014. Tesla brings us into an era of starting a car with your phone, the HTC One gets a new OS, and carrier switching incentives explode with new plans and offers. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, on top of new individual pricing plans that were announced last week, we heard from a number of different carriers this week with new different plans and offers, including Verizon, which kicked off Monday, revealing what they include now as an extra gigabyte of data for consumers who sign up or upgrade on their more everything plan. Now, according to Verizon, you'll need at least one gigabyte of data to get the free gig of data, which will be available throughout the term of the phone's contract. And not to be outdone, Sprint then came out with some new plans. We thought we were going to hear some this week, and they did. New shared data plans that offer twice as much data as comparable plans from AT&T, T-Mobile, or Verizon. Sprint's family share pack includes four lines with unlimited talk and text and 20 gigs of shared data for $160 a month. AT&T and Verizon have Similar plans, but only include 10 gigs of data. And T-Mobile recently announced a limited time shared plan for $100 a month for four lines. In addition to the doubling of data over the competition, Sprint is offering incentives to families that port their numbers from other carriers. Sprint will give families with up to 10 lines 20 gigs of shared data for only $100 a month through 2015, plus an additional two gigs per line. Under the promotion, a family of four would have 28 gigs of data per month and a family of 10 would have up to 40 gigs of data per month. But before you go running to sign up for one of the plans, you have not yet selected your phone. All new devices must be purchased through Sprint EasyPay. That lets users who don't buy subsidized phones uh, then have to add on an additional $15 per phone per month for plans with data plans of 20 gigs or higher and $40 per line for users who opt to get a subsidized phone. Meaning for a family plan with 10 people, if you pay full price for all of your phones and do not take the device subsidies, you're looking at a base of $100 plus then $15 for each of the 10 lines, bringing your total to actually $250 a month plus the actual expense of buying the phones. So for that price, you'll see 40 gigs of promotional data through 2015 along with unlimited talk and text. If you take on the subsidies, though, you're looking for a bill of $500 a month for 10 lines. That's $40 per phone plus the $100 base. The promotional $100 pricing plan is available uh, available now, and it goes through September 30th. Sprint will also cover the ETFs up to $350 per line for families that break contracts to sign up with a Sprint family share pack. Wait, wait, wait. So, okay, let me, let, let's, uh, 20 gigs, let me, I'm trying to write this down here. This is a very clear, exceptionally easy uh, plan here. I, I can tell this is going to really make it very easy for consumers to go and sign up and, and uh, pay something that's very uh, very clear and easy to understand. And I think that's kind of the point. T-Mobile was poking some fun at them this week and just how not clear this actually was. And uh, ultimately, I think if you're someone who's looking to save some money and you've got you know a lot of lines in your family that you're looking to add people to, they certainly are decent deals. But yes, absolutely. it's it. People want to walk into a store, buy a phone, have that phone likely part of the plan that they have. And it's 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 kind of it's interesting marketing that they're doing here because obviously that they, they want to get people to jump in on it, but at the same time they're not going to go and just you know offer 10, 10 phones for a hundred dollars a month. 
Well, and that's almost what they should do, because if they don't, you're just going to piss people off because they're going to go in and, you know, oh, well, I saw I can get it for this X amount of dollars on your ad. And you're going, well, it, you, well if you do this and if you do that and if you do this and if you pay this and, and don't do this and do this and do that, by the time you get out the door, you're just pissed off and mad at them. And that's kind of what happens to people I know when they go into a store and they say, you know, I saw this ad. I want this. But this isn't what you tell me. You tell me something completely different, and that's really not that. I mean, that 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 actually doesn't negative of what you're uh, trying to do to accomplish with these lines. But on the flip side, though, you do have the potential of actually saving money if you have a lot of lines. I have a coworker who uh, saw this plan announcement and uh, called Sprint up right away to find out what was going on and what he could do with that. Uh, to save money, but uh, he found out he wasn't quite out of contract on at least one of his lines yet, so he could not sign up for it, which of course also kind of uh, pisses you off because you want to be able to get this plan and they only offer to new customers. And that's, you're already a customer. Why can't you get a better plan and it's cheaper for them to get you even though you're already signed up for them? So it's, again, one of those things where it kind of just, it's it's not real, it's, it's not real consumer friendly. It's not. And and I guess the point is, is that if you're looking to get a number of lines, there are different options that they have now that are cheaper and cheaper than the competition, furthermore. Uh, but if you're an individual, what does this mean for you? Well, none of these plans actually mean anything. But then on Thursday, Sprint did offer something that may be enticing to someone who's looking to come and just bring a single line. It's a new unlimited plan. It undercuts all the competition. It provides a single line of service with unlimited talk, text and unlimited data for only $60 a month. Sprint claims that offering beats uh, T-Mobile's best price by $20 a month and that similar options aren't even available from AT&T or Verizon. A similar catch with this one, though, in order to qualify for the plan, you have to either bring your own device or pay full retail for a device. Uh, Of course, if you decide to uh, go with a subsidized offering there on Sprint's Easy Pay financing plan, you're going to pay an additional cost per month for that phone. So this is a good deal. This one you can understand. It's unlimited everything for $60 a month, and that is a, a, a very good price out there right now. So I, I think this is the, the this is the good plan, I think, that makes the most sense for Sprint, and we'll probably get some people over to them. Uh, we saw a little jab by the consumers this week. Uh, you'll never be able to actually use that much data in a month for Sprint, depending on where you're at, of course. But it's... Uh, a little jab at them, and it's uh, th- this is kind of something what they need to get a little bit of attention on their unli- unlimited everything plan. And it is unlimited. I mean, they will offer you an unlimited amount of data as well as minutes and text. So if you are someone who is looking for a plan that can suffice for uh, the massive needs that you have for your data usage, uh, and you are in an area that has good Sprint coverage and has good Sprint 4G LTE coverage, then perhaps this is a good option for you. Now, in related news, Sprint is discontinuing its offering on, of guaranteed unlimited voice texting and data for life on phone lines for new customers and is limiting the options for customers who actually have the guarantee now. The carrier disclosed the change in conjunction with the new $60 unlimited plan. Sprint had instituted this guarantee of unlimited talk, text, and data for life in July. July of 2013, shortly after SoftBank finalized the deal to buy 80% of Sprint. The unlimited guarantee was given to new customers who signed up for service, as well as existing customers who switched over to the Sprint Unlimited My Way or My All In plans. Unlimited My Way plans offered unlimited voice texting and data for $80 a month, and the My All In plans gave you unlimited voice texting, texting and data plus 5 gigs of mobile hotspot usage for $110 a month. But those plans came with that unlimited guarantee, the $60 plan 
plan does not. Uh, according to what Sprint is saying, now they say the unlimited guarantee was a limited time promotion and will no longer be available for new customers. Existing customers will who benefit uh, on their account will retain it as long as eligibility requirements are met. They said that customers who signed up with the unlimited guarantee will still have access to unlimited voice texting and data on the Sprint network as long as they stay on a rate plan that includes that guarantee and the account remains in good standing. The new $60 plan will not have the guarantee. So to keep it, you have to remain on one of those other plans. So point is that if you're on one of these plans, you're good to go for right now. But if you sign up for one of the $60 plans, that unlimited amount of data may not be there sometime in the future. So just keep that in mind if you do decide to switch over that that is the one catch with this. Now, T-Mobile said Thursday that it will be giving current customers unlimited LTE data for a full year if they convince an AT&T, Sprint, or Verizon customer to switch over over to T-Mobile. T-Mobile says the program is like throwing a lifeline to those on competing networks and both participants that uh, come to T-Mobile and those already on T-Mobile that are bringing the person over will receive that unlimited LTE data for a year and customers who already pay for unlimited data will receive a $10 monthly credit uh, in, on their bill. The referral program starts on August 29th and customers will be able to enter their own number and the number of the friend who ported their service into the carrier which must be reported within 30 30 days of the activation. The program doesn't apply to prepaid plans and is limited to one referral per account. I remember that takes me back to the days of the uh, the sprint referrals. We used to do a ton of those, Mickey. I remember mm-hmm. that uh, you'd get uh, what was it like a forty dollar credit? Uh, I, I think that's what it was. Uh, Twenty five or forty bucks. Was, yeah, yeah, it was quite a bit. Uh, that that I, I haven't really heard of much of referrals lately. You know, now actually, let me think about this. Maybe it was was it like ten dollars, and then you could do up to. What I don't know, uh, 25 of them or something a year, something like that. Or maybe that was the, I'm thinking of something else maybe, but yeah, there's, they used to have these deals where you could, you could enter in, uh, you brought someone over and you got a, a referral credit for them. I also remember, you remember when you could call in and get credit for a dropped call where you could yes. actually like a 10 cent credit. Yep. You could do up to like $5 a month of those. That was that was throwing it back quite a ways. But anyway, uh, the bill credits, like I said, are uh, only for one per account. So if you're on T-Mobile, you can only do this with one other person. And then Cricket Wireless. They began offering a new $100 credit to customers who switch from T-Mobile or Metro PCS to AT&T's owned Cricket Network. The $100 bill credit is available from August 24th to October 19th at Cricket stores nationwide and online. According to Cricket, there's no limit to the number of lines a customer can switch over to Cricket. Each line transferred from T-Mobile or Metro PCS is eligible for a $100 bill credit. Cricket's prepaid basic, smart, and pro plans cost $40, $50, and $60 respectively per month. Each plan offers a $5 monthly reduction when customers choose auto pay. So we've, we've had a lot of news here this week about uh, data plans and changes and prices, and we, we continually kind of see the prices kind of inching down a little bit here and there and competition and everything. This is good. But what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Sprint here and what they've, they're trying to do and, and, and dropping the price of data. And I can see what, what's kind of happened here is now that we've got, uh, you know, data buckets in place and we've got, uh, you know, carrier Sprint that, in, in, you know, not for everyone, but in a lot of areas, their data networks are still pretty spotty and just don't really provide the coverage uh, that the customers really are looking for. And what happens is now is that, the you know, they could drop their price to nothing and people still won't sign up because they know the data network is not very good. And now quality 
is going to be the next frontier. And, you know, they try to push that. And it's really obviously very difficult with a data network and a cellular network to, to, to quantify quality. It has to come from the customer experience. And this is going to be kind of the next thing because price of data is going to slowly move towards that kind of unlimited price for, uh, you know, the one price for unlimited everything, just like the minutes have done now. So, uh, you know, I'm seeing, you know, kind of the bigger longer term picture here is this is going to be tough for, you know, the carrier like Sprint to just kind of keep lowering the price per gig gigabyte because that's that's only going to go so far yeah and if i'm a if i'm a person who's looking to switch networks right now you've got so many different options here i mean it's it's just very very interesting to see just how much each of these carriers wants your business and as we go through you know as we go through time here the the number of devices that are being activated is slowing down because or i guess of new subscribers that is is slowing down because people now have phones uh most of them now have smartphones and if you don't you're probably going to be picking one up pretty soon and uh so it's it's really these people are very valuable uh each customer is is a very valuable person on a network and so they they want to do what they can to get that person over to them and then ultimately lock them in and keep them happy on it. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's that quality piece that's really going to be the next the next kind of thing we're talking about here. And yeah, you can offer unlimited whatever, but in Sprint's case, if you don't have LTE in a lot of places, the 3G network is is so old at this point that you're just expecting something that's so much better. And if you can't offer it, then people are ultimately not going to stay with you. So uh, good time to be a consumer here. That is for sure. There is just a ton of different options out there and a lot of great deals to be had if you're willing to search for them. On to device news. Apple launched an iPhone 5 battery replacement program recently for a limited number of iPhone 5s sold between September of 2012 and January of 2013. According to Apple, a small number of customers may experience a sudden decrease in battery life requiring frequent charges and a phone that dies before the battery gauge shows a depleted device. Customers who believe their device is affected can verify that eligibility through the serial number at ssl.apple.com slash support slash iPhone 5 dash battery. Apple will replace the battery for free or reimburse customers who have paid to have that battery replaced on their own. Apple said the program is limited to batteries and iPhones with cracked screens or other problems will incur charges to those who have separate issues resolved before the battery can then be replaced. The program launches in the U.S. and China on August 22nd and will launch in other countries August 29th. So let's talk about this one just a little bit here because I actually had some uh, similar stuff happening to me and uh, I thought I was going to be able to take advantage of this and, and get into this and get a new phone out of the deal. But here's what happened. So um, kind of like what I mentioned here in the story, over time, I've had some issues with the phone where uh, basically I have not been able to get the phone to go below 20% on the battery gauge for many, many months. I, it would run throughout the day. I'd get down to right around 20%, and ultimately then the phone would just shut off like I had made it down to 0%, but it would just sit there at that 20 It would get to that 20%, and that would be it. So uh, w- one little bit of history. This is a refurb phone that you got somewhat recently. Uh, it's not the original iPhone 5 that you had had, had purchased back in, uh, what was it, September of uh, what, whatever it came out now. Yeah, and that's a good point to make here is that, yeah, I bought the first five, uh, the first five in September of 2012. And uh, in September of 2013, I swapped that phone out for another device. That's the one that I have right now on a camera issue that I had. So that, that's actually a very important thing. So uh, not only have I, am I out of warranty on this device, I don't get you don't get any extended warranty when you do a device replacement like that. Uh, but it's also a device that is newer than uh, this program uh, had devices being affected in it. And I, so I went onto the website and I punched in the serial number and it came back and it said it's not eligible. And I thought, okay, great. So uh, 
then on Friday, I ran into this issue where um, I was going throughout the day, really busy day, and it was in the middle of the afternoon, and I looked, I pulled out my phone to do something, and it was at 46%, and the phone died. And I thought, 46%? That's, I mean, you basically, I'm, it's it's rising up here really, really fast. And I thought, okay, I, I really, I've got this problem. I, I see if I can, you know, play on the, uh, you know, the, the niceties of an Apple store employees. Let me see what I can do here. So Genius Bar Appointment this morning went in and uh, explained the problem with them. They looked it up and uh, they said, okay, it's not eligible. So let's run some diagnostics on it. And and this was actually what really impressed me is, is they've changed the process here. And I, I didn't catch the whole thing of how they were doing it. But essentially, they go into Safari and they type in a URL into your Safari browser when you're on Apple's network, their Wi-Fi network in the store. And then from an iPad, they can go through and troubleshoot everything that's going on on the phone. So I don't even have to plug it in anymore, which is really nice and convenient for you know me. I can just have the phone in my pocket and they can, uh, you know, once I plug in the, the URL, it's good to go. So uh, anyway, so I'm, we're going through this this process and he comes back and he's showing me this stuff on his iPad and he says, you know, your battery is is still 96% efficient or something. It's in this, you know, the very, very top of the green area. It's still a relatively good battery. He said, so it's not that there's a problem with the battery. There, there's something else that's going on. So he starts digging through some of the other menus and gets into um, this diagnostic section about memory and it pulls up all of the crashes that have been logged on the phone and he can sort them or at least see them in order of how, you know, how often they're happening. And, uh, and he said, you know, this is probably something going on with your memory in apps that are, that are causing crashes. And then ultimately it's causing an issue with the phone that uh, is then shutting it down. Cause again, it's not a battery issue. He said, so really your choice here is do a full backup and restore of the device, essentially a resetting of the device and uh, reinstalling everything. And, and that's, that's what you need to do. So I, you know, a little defeated at the time and I thought, okay, this is kind of just a, a non-answer essentially to get me to go away because they're not going to replace the phone. And I said, okay, fine. That's, that is what it is. And, and thank you very much and, and whatever. And I thought, well, you know what? I don't really have anything to lose here. New iPhone's not coming out for another 60 days or so. And uh, actually it'll be sooner than that, but it's, it's, um, it, it's going to be a while before I probably get one. So let's just, you know, kind of wait and see, uh, and let's do a reset and see what, see what happens. Nothing to lose. So I uh, did a, a backup on iCloud. I'm in the Apple store and they've got great Wi-Fi. And so wiped the device and uh, restored it. So uh, the restore takes about uh, 15, 20 minutes to get all of the data back on, including apps and stuff like that. I don't do photos, by the way, because I don't have enough room in iCloud. So it's everything but photos. It's four gigs or something like that. Maybe it's not that much, three gigs. And uh, so we get it all, I get it all back on. And, and this had taken maybe 20% of the battery life. And I had walked into the store with like 95%. So at this point, I'm down to 75% or something like that. And I thought, well, we'll just see kind of how the day goes. I won't plug it in. And uh, so kind of gone about my day here today. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was kind of cooking down a little bit here as I was doing stuff and ultimately made it then home. And I said, you know what, it's it was at this point, like 55%. I said, you know what, let's let's stress let's stress this thing. Let's get this battery really going and see what happens. So I turn on some streaming video and let that run for hours. And wouldn't you know, we go down to 50%, then it passes through 40% and finally to 20. And I'm thinking this is getting really good. And for the first time, and I cannot tell you how many months I saw 10% battery, that warning on the phone and finally all the way down to one. And it sat on one for 
you know, I don't know, five, seven minutes or something like that before it finally shut off. And so there you go. It, it, it indeed did fix the issue, or at least it, it seemingly has fixed the issue. We'll see how it goes here over the next uh, week or two weeks or whatever. Charging the phone back up right now as we speak, and uh, we'll get it all the way back up and then just kind of go from there. But uh, I guess the, the moral of the story is, is if you are having this battery problem and your phone is not one of these that can be just swapped out for it, it's probably worth it to do a, uh, to do a wipe just and see if that works out for you, as it has appeared to have done for me. So you had a particular app that was problematic. I did. I did. It was uh, Dropbox. And Dropbox is, for whatever reason, it's shown up here as the one that's crashed the most. And so um, that was that was kind of the culprit that we're suspecting could have been the issue here. So in, in a side note, you use the photo backup feature with the automatic upload over cellular with the the background upload so when it basically it's always looking at your location and uh, when your location changes it instigates the, the 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 camera upload so basically your dropbox is active all the time and uh you know doing uploads all the time and then obviously as they saw crashing all the time so it was creating quite probably quite a lot of havoc in the phone and it, it really seems that way so uh you know i use the the uh, dropbox upload but i do not keep the the automatic upload uh, background upload turned on and I keep it on Wi-Fi only. So, and I've, I've seemingly been okay on, on my device for that. So I suppose if anybody else is doing that out there, uh, that's a good way to do it. So I'm going to circle back again to the iTunes backup as well that you can do not just the iCloud backup. If you don't do iCloud or don't have enough room or, or, or you don't have good enough Wi-Fi to do that, uh, use your, uh, use your iTunes, you use your computer to do the backup. And I recommend hit, uh, hitting that checkbox that says encrypt this backup. And what that does is make sure it saves all of the passwords on your device. So you never have to re-enter any of your email passwords or your Wi-Fi passwords or anything like that. If you check that box in iTunes, when you do a full backup and if you then when you do the restore, it's just really the phone is really exactly the way it was uh, left off before you did the, the full wipe and clear when you do, you know, you back it up, do the full wipe and clear on the phone itself, and then you plug it back into iTunes and then restore it. So I was uh, pres- pleasantly surprised that uh, the iCloud backup does that as well. Uh, it, I, I don't know if it's encrypted. I guess it would essentially have the whatever iCloud encryption there is. But uh, because it's not on a local device, of course, like I said, I, it can only do whatever amount of data that you have selected and stuff that you have on there. Uh, but it does all the passwords and everything like that. So um, I, I did not have any issues with any of that. Uh, so that was good. So I, I did appreciate having that, uh, that, that kind of process happen as well. And you're right in the that password issue uh, that I've seen that only actually when I change devices in iCl- uh, in iTunes for example if I change iPhone and it, it, it if it's a different model phone then you need to put all your passwords in so yeah you're right I didn't need to do that encryption for going to the from the same device to the the exact same device interesting well either way um, yes so Dropbox was the issue I have now turned off background uploading on both the iPhone and the iPad, and uh, we'll just launch Dropbox, I guess, when I need to do a backup. And so ultimately, it, we'll see if that was uh, what was causing me the problems. But uh, interesting stuff here. Again, if you're someone who's seeing this issue, maybe uh, worth your time to just do a wipe and a restore and uh, see what happens there. And you know, if you're running an iPhone 5, you're probably thinking about here getting a, a new iPhone over the next couple of months, or maybe something else. I don't know if you're looking, you know, you may not be looking at another iPhone, but it's uh, almost two years old, likely. And uh, so maybe it's time for a new phone anyway. But I, for one, am not interested in buying a new phone today because obviously the new ones are going to be out here before too long so i uh i want to kind of limp it along if you will until uh, the very end here so moving on htc on tuesday announced the one for windows phone this is a variant of the one m8 that was first announced
announced with Android earlier this year. The One for Windows Phone runs the latest 8.1 operating system from Microsoft and includes a few HTC apps such as BlinkFeed, the HTC Duo Camera, Sense TV, Video Highlights, and Boom Sound. Save for the OS, the hardware is identical to the One M8 with Android. It has a 5-inch 1080p HD screen, quad-core Snapdragon 801 processor, ultra-pixel main camera with 5-megapixel front camera, and aluminum body. The HTC One for Windows Phone is exclusive to Verizon and is available online at verizonwireless.com and Verizon stores for $100 with a new contract or $30 a month with Verizon Edge. In software news, Google on Tuesday releasing a version of its Photosphere application for iOS. The app allows iPhone owners to capture a 360-degree view of whatever is around them. Photospheres can be published to Google Maps or shared with various social networks. Prior to the release, Photosphere was only available to Android smartphones. Photosphere is available to download from the iTunes App Store for free. Is that really Google Maps it could be shared with? Uh, it is, uh, it is, yes, it was a Google, yeah, I guess it is Google Maps, right? Because you can, when you're going around Google Maps, you can see all of these different, uh, uh, well, when I say share, actually, that's a good point, because you can see them on Google Plus, but you see these, like, 360-degree view things on Google Maps, so who knows how that, they get on there somehow, I'm not sure if Google is finding them and putting them on there, or they're actually themselves doing this, the photospheres and sourcing them on there or whatever. But you see this a lot in like a restaurant where you'll be able to go into a restaurant and just kind of do a 360 degree view of the restaurant. Yeah, Google actually comes in and does that. Well, yeah, that is true. They do that. Uh, that is very true. You know, I think, uh, you know, the, the app itself is very interesting. I tried to do one here uh, in my office when it first came out, a photosphere of it, and it, it failed miserably. I guess there's too many, too many near field objects or something like that. It was just all sorts of messed up. But it's kind of a fun thing to do, and it's it's uh, they're very neat things to be able to then scroll around in and, and kind of see you know a, a particular area and just a 360-degree view. It's it's exactly what it says it is. It sounds like a realtor's paradise. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think about, it's. I guess it's not just realtors, but it's, think about the panoramas that you like to take, uh, and sometimes the panorama is, is great uh, in certain, you know, environments, but at other times you would just like to kind of walk around and be able to see it. But, of course, that's only really works out well when you're doing it in the application itself. But either way, fun stuff. You get at least something fun to play with, if nothing else. Tesla Motors updating its Model S firmware in the coming months to allow owners to start and drive their Model S with only an iPhone. A screenshot of version 6 of the car's OS is said to be in the latest beta stages and is now being finalized for a full rollout. The change is expected to require an authentication such as Touch ID and could be rolled out with the new iOS 8 that will be released this fall. Yeah, I mean, literally, your phone has, you know, Bluetooth. It has a, a MAC address serial number. Yes, you could spoof it, but if you have a secondary method of authentication on it, you know, it's really not much different than your, you know, the, the, the fob that you have that's basically kind of a, you know, radio transmitter that identifies itself with basically a serial number and says, you know, this is the right transmitter to go with this car. So, in fact, it could actually be more secure if you drop your phone. They can't just go take your car away if you need a secondary authentication. So, it actually has some benefit in it. Yeah, that's very true. And I, you know, I'm interested to see kind of how this will work with, uh, you know, with that authentication piece, because um, is it going to be authentication to get in the car only? uh, Or is it going to be something that you have to do to start the car? How is that going to work? Obviously, there's a a few different pieces of this to figure out. But uh, either way, it's still very convenient to uh, to think about the fact that you'd be able to take your phone and uh, just use that. That said, if you have the iOS uh, or if you have the iPhone 5 and you've got this battery issue and your battery dies at 46% and 
and then you can't get in the car because you have a dead phone either way. Uh, That's a problem. Got, That's a big problem. That is a big problem. Uh, so maybe you want to keep a, a key with you uh, just for a while until you make sure that you're comfortable with that. Or at least a battery pack or a USB. Or maybe they'll just put a lightning port right on the ex- uh, the outside of the car so you can stick the, the phone right in the lightning port so the phone at least starts up and then you can uh, unlock the car with the, the power of the car. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that, that could be what they do. Um, <laughs> I, I, I see that as not being a good design intention for what they're trying to do. Anyway, it's, it is a, it's a neat idea because obviously just think about you have your phone with you all the time. You don't need that other piece if there's Bluetooth in it. So it's nice. Or they, or they could just put the fingerprint sensor right on the car, right? Wouldn't that work? Uh, I guess you could do that too. Just hide it somewhere, right? Put it under the door handle or something like that. There's got to be a way to do this. They, they can figure it out. Anyway, neat stuff here from Tesla. Skype on Wednesday announcing changes to notification handling uh, that through what they were calling a new service called Active Endpoint, users will see Skype notifications only on the device that they're actively using and other devices connected to a user account will not ring or beep during that time. If the user stops Skyping to their smartphone, future incoming alerts will sound on all devices so the users don't miss messages or calls if the user then opens skype on their laptop skype notifications will stop pinging on a smartphone and tablet and so on here great uh, great news here from skype that sounds very handy because i know uh, if i'm using uh, google voice to do uh, texting with the uh, ipad of course my iphone keeps chiming like crazy because it uh, because it comes in via normal text messages so then it reminds me uh, again so it reminds me twice and then of course new messages keep pouring in so the thing's constantly chiming like on the other side of the room or something if i don't have it right with me so something like this would totally you know alleviate that issue within skype itself and i know a lot of people use skype for messaging so this is a really uh, obviously a very uh, nice uh, addition yeah, and I, I like the idea so much that I installed uh, Skype on both my iPad and iPhone, uh, which I promptly have yet to use. Um, but because uh, I, I just we don't use it all that much, but um, it is nice to have. And I guess if you're someone who does uh, a lot of Skyping here, then this is a, this is a great way to go. Uh, I know businesses are really taking to it as well because it's a, a nice, easy, rel- you know, relatively uh, free way. Uh, depending on what you're looking to do, if it's just skyping between uh, two people that both have Skype, then of course it is free. Moving on to questions and comments this week. First up is a question from Patrick. Actually, he's got a couple questions. First up, he says, "TCPJ, great show as always." First question: How do I check the minutes used monthly on Android on my Note Three, to be specific? I'm thinking of getting a T-Mobile Unlimited data plan with 100 minutes, but I'm not sure if that's enough enough. There's a Walmart or Target special for $5 more. You actually get 300 minutes. Uh, number two, a trip down memory lane. Uh, what was it like before the iPhone? Was it always $600 for the top of the line phone? And was the subsidy model the common way to get a phone? Thanks as always, Patrick. So it really depends how far back you want to go down memory lane. Uh, originally, basically, you know, if you really start back at the beginning, we had uh, bag phones, you had big Dynatac phones, you bought those things outright. Uh, Sprint back in the uh, late 90s decided to uh, start selling phones outright. You know, it was a uh, StarTac was $300 and that was the, the most expensive phone at the time. And there was no subsidy and there was no contract with Sprint. And, and some of the other carriers had contracts, but you did buy the device fully outright. And, and, and however, you know, we started getting more and more contracts, but you were still paying full price for the phones and 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 subsidies started to creep in but really top of the line phones even with some subsidies in the the mid 2000s were still $400 for the top of the line phones is what the prices really were in that era and in that was when we got into the smartphone era in in before the smartphone era we had flip phones feature phones they were around the high ends were $300 yeah they were and uh, in fact if i think back to 
kind of the 2004, 2005 range, I did buy um, a number of devices that I paid over $500 for. I remember buying an HP iPad device, and that was somewhere in the range of uh, $550 to $600. I remember buying the QTech 9900, which was an HTC uh, product manufactured by HTC, and that was a Windows 5 phone at the time, I believe. And uh, that was a really neat thing to, to have and to try out and to use. And that was either $700 or $750. So, so yeah, they were uh, they were absolutely uh, these expensive devices. You could buy a Trio. Trio was around five or $600 as well. So, yeah, you did pay uh, some pretty high prices for them. Absolutely, and and then the uh, the original iPhone was released, uh, and initially it was six, seven, eight hundred dollars for those models with the contract, and then uh, they did that huge drop in price, basically right after it came, you know, a few months after it came out, or in or the three G model was you know two hundred bucks, where all of a sudden the carriers were, you know, the, the you know here in the U S. the AT and T had to you know eat that extra four hundred some bucks. Uh, you know, very drastic change in in pricing that we saw right at that moment. Yeah, and it was it was one of those one of those kind of transitionary points where people really wanted to get this this Apple product, this Apple phone, and then they saw six hundred dollars and they went, "Wow, this is this is an insane amount of money." So certainly there were there were some uh, some hindrances there to the initial launch because of the price, and because before that, I mean, smartphones. Keep in mind when this was. This was two thousand and seven, and the smartphone. Um, was 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 usually relegated to someone who was getting one from a corporation, from a business, whether it was a BlackBerry or a Trio, and and that was that was about it. Most consumers still had flip phones. The vast majority still had flip phones, and it really wasn't until the iPhone that pe- that consumers started thinking about what would it be- mean to have a smartphone in your pocket. And then because of that, um, that process kind of Apple, you know, was kind of the, at the forefront of saying, okay, we're going to get this, this subsidy here from the carrier in order to sell this phone. And, and yes, to your point, Joey, it was a, it was a business decision that the carrier then would have to make to, to eat that $400, but it was over the course of a term and they were now getting a data plan as well as just the voice and text. So certainly you're paying more a month to have this, these different services and uh, the carriers having to eat a whole bunch of money on these devices. But if they make it uh, done in a way, they could ultimately still maintain a profit for these users. And so that's what, that's what's happened here. So now we're at the $200 point and uh, the, these devices are costing them about 600 and uh, that that's where that is. And so that's why now you can get, you know, 15, 20 bucks a month off of the cost of your bill, but have to buy the phone up front. It's, 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 you know, moving money from one pocket to the other. That's about it. It is. I mean, you're still paying for it ultimately as the consumer, you know, for this device. It, 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 however, that initial cost of ownership is really what uh, attracts a lot of people. And that's why, you know, the, the big iPhone price drop there made a, a big change and really introduced the smartphone, you know, to, uh, to, to, the, to, the, to the consumer masses instead of like the business users, as you mentioned, that were on Blackberries and Trios and Windows Phone at the time. Yeah, the the one thing to keep in mind here is that if you're a a consumer who's buying uh, a phone for two hundred dollars and you're using it for two years, once you get to the end of that two years, that phone is essentially paid off. Once your contract is up, that phone is paid off, but your plan doesn't change. You're still paying the same amount of money. So if you really want to maximize your money and the value that you have uh, for that plan and the amount that you're paying for that plan, get a new phone. Or switch over to a plan that is a non-subsidy plan because really you're essentially just giving the carrier money at that point. So it, it's it's just good economics to to pick yourself out a new phone. 
and the nice thing is, is now we have that choice with the, not all the carriers, but we, we're starting to get that option now where we can actually save money now without having a subsidy on the, on the device. So that's kind of showing the age of the, the, the maturing market that we have right now. And of course, now what's going to happen is uh, obviously with the, the big flood of Android devices, and we've kind of seen the acceleration slow down of the development of new phones and, and faster and bigger and better, that it's kind of leveling off a little bit. So now the price points of the hardware is going to start dropping now and especially with these these payment plans are going to make it more obvious for consumers for the price of the the actual price of the device and that will start to creep down now yeah and there's just all sorts of uh you know there's all sorts of combinations of different plan pricing and phones and and stuff like this and just most consumers just don't want to deal with that they don't want to they want to get something that's generally easy they don't want to feel like they're overpaying for something and so um yeah it's it's going to just take some time here as we transition from the almost uh it was a fully unsubsidized model back in the early 2000s to a fully subsidized model in the late 2000s to now kind of a hybrid type approach and uh we'll just you know we'll see how this whole thing plays out uh patrick going back to your uh your first comment here which your first question that is as far as uh, understanding the usage on an android device you'll need a separate app to do this you can always go to the website of your provider but that's of course not all that convenient when you're on the go something like a joyku is free and you can track usage with that no really actually if you're thinking about going to a 100 minute plan i would really go to the carrier website look at your usually they have six to 12 months of bills available and go look at your actual statement and look at the usage of of your uh, minutes each month uh, for all the history that is available to see if and how many times you go over that 100 minutes because then you'll get an idea of your you know a big picture sort of usage and and how much you'll have to pay in overage and uh, or or if you'll ever have to pay overage and, Mm. and if 100 minutes will be good enough. Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, I, I kind of think about my usage and I, I, I think back to, you know, certain months where I think it was last month I'd use like 14 minutes or something like that. And, and, and this month I had a situation where I was on the phone for essentially two straight hours with many, many calls. And so just in that one particular piece of my day, I had used well over the number of minutes uh, than I would have had, uh, you know, in, in one of these plans. So certainly it doesn't necessarily make sense yet for me to jump to a lower minute plan. No, and also you have to kind of consider, you know, 100 minutes, is a, is a, it is a very low plan. I mean, a lot of people, that's no problem, like you said, 14 minutes for a month. But if there's special circumstances going on, let's see, somebody goes to the hospital or, you know, a family member gets injured, you have, a, if you've got job interviews going on, you've got to make tons of phone calls due to, you know, some particular, if you're looking for a new house or something like that, you can burn through hundreds and hundreds of minutes really quickly, you know, under special circumstances. Yeah. And so a separate app certainly uh, certainly can be helpful with this for your for your tracking. If you do decide to go to this, uh, the one I mentioned, Joyku is J-O-I-K-U, and it is free for Android. You can download that from the App Store. Next up is a question from Remington. He says, Dear Mickey and Joey, as I'm writing this email, I acknowledge that this information may not be correct regarding new pricing for Sprint. Six hundred dollars. Excuse me. Six hundred megabytes for twenty dollars a month. Two gigabytes for twenty-five dollars a month. Four gigs for forty dollars a month, etc. I noticed that it is similar to AT and T's pricing, except double the data for plans starting at six hundred megabytes and all the way up to twelve gigabytes. If this is true, what about people who just want a feature phone? I just found it kind of interesting. As always, love the show. Sincerely, Remington. Well, Remington, good news here. You don't have to have data. You can still get a feature phone, uh, which will be offered on regular family plans, services low as $25 a month 
through the plans there. So you still can get a feature phone. You still can pay uh, a smaller amount uh, for that there and still be able to do essentially what you need to do on that device. Yeah, and that's actually typical for even Verizon. Uh, they still have you know, uh, you know feature phone pricing for their their share, shared plans. Uh, even if you have a data share plan, uh, like a for example, I, I don't know what it is right now with Verizon, but it was forty dollars a month for a smartphone to have on one of their data share plans. But now, but for a, a regular phone, it's like twenty dollars a month. So yeah, you're taking out that data component, so you are paying quite a bit less uh, per month. And also, Mickey, Framley is completely gone. They've abandoned that entirely. That okay, that's that's a good point. And that was, I think, the new CEO came in, and with all these new plans that they were announcing here. That's good to hear that Framily is gone. I swear I saw something with Framily this week in it, but maybe it was just some, you know, someone using the term like I just have in an inappropriate way. Yeah, no, they aban- they they completely abandoned that uh, that term. Okay, so let's just let me answer it again for you then Remington. So feature phones will still be offered on regular plans and they can be purchased with service as low as $25 a month. How about that? No, 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 you know. No family in there at all. <laughs> Next up here, a comment from Paul. He says, Mickey and Joey, I just have a comment about Verizon's move to LTE-only devices. It's a good move as voiceover LTE will improve speech quality, but as they're going to remove the CDMA radios to keep the cost down, I can't see the adding of UMTS chips and radios for the same reason. Just wondering how folks on Verizon will get on roaming overseas in countries with different LTE bands or who have none or very little LTE. Regards, Paul, uh, Paul, a very interesting comment here. You know, I would say with this here on the LTE side, I hope that uh, we'll have most of these bands figured out here. So devices uh, that are sold with any operating system are like the iPhone and the iPad, where you basically only have a single device that works on LTE everywhere. Um, I'm thinking they may keep the other standards in the devices for some time, though, uh, just for the reason you mentioned here, which is uh, roaming. Well, they'll definitely keep the the UMTS 3G and they'll definitely keep that, you know, because that's really what most of the world uses right now. And that will be for some time in the future. But, um, you know, like with CDMA phones like Verizon and Sprint and, and of course, uh, the, the, the little carriers when you do international roaming, there's really only a few places. There are some places in Mexico, some places in Canada, uh, some places in South Asia that have CDMA service. But there's really not that many places. And I, they, they have 3G coverage as well. Well in those particular countries. So, you know, taking out the CDMA radio really won't be that big of a deal. But but your point actually does bring up a, a, a you know, a good point is that what happens when other carriers around the world start abandoning, you know, 3G and moving to voice over LTE that, you know, that are 3G right now and start moving that direction. That's when I'm starting to think, ooh, maybe we will we'll start having problems because I don't know how the bands and the frequency and the channels are around the rest of the world and how that's going to work with roaming with US-based devices. So, uh, you know, kind of, again, to take this just to wrap it up here is that when you buy an iPhone, you're buying essentially one phone that works uh, with LTE around the world at this point. Uh, The one exception is Sprint. Um, So these devices are uh, relatively universal. These these iDevices are relatively universal. The the Android side is a different story. They're they're kind of coming along here. Um, But yeah, this is this is going to be many years, like you know, at probably the least, probably five years down the road before this actually means anything. So at at that point here, I feel like we'll be in a good enough position where it's not going to be that big of an issue. But certainly something to talk about here and to keep in mind as you move forward and and choosing devices to make sure you do have what you need to 
to use that device in all of the places that you go. Finally today, a question from Jeff. He says, hello, gents. Love the show. Thanks for your time and efforts every week. With 50 podcasts on my cell phone, downloading every week, yours is on the top of my list. Well, thanks for that, Jeff. Question. I've not heard much lately on Freedom Pop and their initial free cellular data hotspot. Any updates that you've heard? Also, my stab in the dark this week. In hindsight, I think the entire Nokia Windows Phone merger or gutting of Nokia was set from day one. However, at the end, Nokia ended up with $7 billion and will be the winner in the long run. I predict Nokia will buy its handset brand back for a dollar after Microsoft flushes it down the toilet. Yes, it sounds crazy, but I was also told I was crazy when I bought Nokia stock for $2.75 and BlackBerry at $5. Cheers. Have a great weekend. Jeff. Well, you know, Jeff, Freedom Pop is still out there. Uh, they still have a number of plans, a number of devices that you can purchase. They actually, the plans start at free for a few hundred minutes, messages, and megabytes. Uh, you just have to be in one of their areas, though, to be serviced by them and to take full advantage of what they offer there. Um, ultimately, you do have to buy new hardware. You can't just buy a, uh, you know, get the plan for free and uh, put a SIM in there. So you need to you need to buy the hardware from them. But either way, it does offer some pretty decent stuff here for just kind of a, a, a one-time purchase. And then you can get, like I said, a few hundred megs, if that's what it is that you're looking for to uh, to keep yourself going and uh, do something, whether it's a, an emergency backup plan or whatever it is, you do have some options there. So uh, they, they are still around. Uh, as far as your, uh, your commentary there on Nokia, you know, it is very possible that uh, they could eventually buy it back. I kind of see that as unrealistic. But again, you're also the guy who saw uh, that Nokia was actually going to be a pretty big brand and uh, bought the stock for pretty cheap. So maybe you see something that uh, I don't. Yeah, and, and of course, Microsoft, you know, they, they kind of change their uh, ideas on what's going on, depending probably on the leadership and, and, you know, the project of the of the of the half of the year, I suppose, they probably look at projects in. And, you know, they, they do have the, uh, you know, they're getting more and more into the self-branded things like the, the Microsoft Surface Pro tablets. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of maybe move that Nokia branding more into Microsoft branding and do something like that. But of course, Nokia is much bigger in the rest of the world than it is here in the U.S., yeah, well, they were uh, at this point. They're they're not much of anything anywhere. But either way, there there's uh, there's still a lot to love with a brand, even if it is gone today. If it's back tomorrow, there'll be some nostalgia that comes along with it, and you could see some some stuff definitely there. So thanks, Jeff for your comments there. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at thecellphonejunkie.com is the email address, or give us a call, 206-203-3734 is the phone number. We'll get your messages, questions, and comments on a future episode. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.